Oh, so welcome back to the Starship Reliant, a podcast and game of Star Trek adventures taking place in the Star Trek online universe, trying to follow their timeline and create a an adventure that takes place within that universe that doesn't entirely match the the story presented. We've got a a large cast of characters uh, who are uh, essentially Starfleet Academy graduates, uh, and we start with the ship's captain, one Lieutenant Marcus Graves, played by Duncan. Hello, hello. We've also got the ship's executive officer, a lieutenant junior grade, Alenis Kendra, originally from the security department. Hello. We've got, uh, I have thought to myself who would be the ship's third officer based on rank and, and all of that, but um, not really that important. So I'm just going to go down the list as I see it. The ship has an interesting uh an interesting thing that we hadn't really seen since the original series too much, and that's a chaplain, because there is a chapel on board the USS Reliant. Uh, it is all faiths and, you know, all races, and uh, Chaplain Waitley both serves as ship's counselor and sees over that uh, that chapel. Greetings and salutations, one and all. Uh, the ship's doctor is a uh, uh, Starfleet. Uh, how how would I put it? He's a uh, like a legacy officer. His family has served in Starfleet, and he continues to do uh, just so far an incredible job with the things that he's been presented. Uh, he's been presented with Doctor Eli O'Connor, uh, Trill. That's a me, and that's a half trill. Half trill, sorry. Um, the the ship's pilot is originally and still is a science officer serving as the uh, the kind of the head of the xenobiology division of science, as well as being the best pilot that they have on the ship, and that. Is uh, and she is also the the third or fourth of her race, a race created by Duncan Idaho, the Ibi. Uh, that's uh, Ensign Kara Junrani. Kara reporting. Hey, if I'm half up? yellow and half blue, should I just wear green? Possibly. No. Possibly. No. Well, I, I, I lose my vote, apparently. The ship's chief science officer, who has with lucky roles thus far in our game, truly proven to be uh, one of the best science officers in the fleet or something. Um, a lieutenant, a lieutenant Junior Grade Quinton Reynolds, who uh, is married to the ship's executive officer, Alenis Kendra. He's having microphone difficulties again. Mm. Well, I'm sure that he will wave. 
flow and us when his microphone difficulties are uh, are taken care of. And um, last but not least of the voices that you, uh, he says, Quentin Quentin's official words are, I am sciencing it. Uh, he just typed that into our chat. Uh, the last of the voices that you'll be hearing is, uh, is, uh, as uh, Bazag, um, who is playing our chief engineer, Rick Tier, who, like uh, our science officer, has made the kind of roles and people on his staff have made the kind of roles that make him look like maybe the best engineer that Starfleet has um, on the level of, you know, those who are, uh, you know, those who are famous, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he is also the first of his, he is the first of his race serving in Starfleet. It's a race known as the SOAR. They're kind of a mix between uh, physically and anatomically, somewhere between Gorn and uh, Saurians. They're a reptilian, and um, that's Rick Tier, our chief engineer. Uh, Baz also helps out with the fact that I haven't learned the the system of Star Trek Adventures all that uh, all that deeply yet, um, and so he helps out with rules pretty much uh, all the time. Just fulfilling my duty, doing what is expected. Uh-huh. Um, we also very often have uh, in our uh, Listening in and in our chat room, uh, we we have a good friend of ours, Theta, who um, uh, who who throws uh, actions at us for a character of uh, one of the exocomps on board uh, the Reliant. Um, exocomp uh, has been found to have subroutines running inside of it that uh, are beginning to, you know, like when the doctor was developing personality pieces, this exocomp is, uh, uh, this exocomp is developing relationships and um, pieces of personality um, as it, you know, exists on board the Reliant. Um, Tonight, Being that we are in July, right here in the middle of the summer, um, we're going to take you someplace. The game has not quite gone yet this year, but hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we'll get there really soon. Tonight, we have an adventure that I am going to call uh, Mayhem on Ryza. It may uh, may be a two-part or three-part adventure. Who knows? But we will find out as... um, as our scene comes up on board the uh, on board the Reliant in space, and uh, we it comes up on uh, Captain or Lieutenant, but Captain Graves and Commander Kendra, wherever the two of you want to be, whether it's on the bridge where the rest of the crew is, or whether you're having a talk in the ready room. Um, you have just received your new orders, uh, which, uh, considering where you are in space, just kind of um, south of where the, you know, galactically south of where the neutral zone is, you're fairly close to Ryza. 
and your new orders come from the desk of Exploration Command. They're signed off on by Admiral Marconi, and uh, it is a temporary assi- It is a temporary assignment. It's kind of like um, your main at your your main assignment is Exploration Command. Sometimes Operational Command may. Re- Quest your ship be used in you know in a in an operation and in this case uh, your ship uh, the Reliant your ship and crew are being requested by the Starfleet Intelligence Division to be present on Ryza at this what is being hailed as a Ryzean Summer Festival um, and. Uh, the uh the festival is it's not that Ryza isn't always a party, but this is their they they're turning their kind of all the time party into a festival for the launch of uh for the launch of a new starship, a corvette designed and built by Ryzean engineers and from from all looks at what you know but you can see of the ship when you look at your new orders. This is a beautiful, fast-looking racing ship, and the um, the the reason uh, that the festival is happening is because it's the launch of this uh, launch of this ship. The uh, the company producing them on Ryza is giving away something like fifty of them uh, to people on on Ryza at the time of the festival and uh, essentially what you what you are being told in your orders is that a Starfleet intelligence asset is on Ryza it is a very important Starfleet intelligence asset there is no guarantee that things are going to go at, you know, there's no guarantee that anything is going to go wrong. And this might just be a week long vacation for you and your crew. Just in case something goes wrong, you are to be on, on Ryza with the Reliant in orbit. Um, and those are your new orders. Be on Ryza for a party, just in case something goes wrong. Uh, obviously, beforehand, we talked a little bit, and it was, you know, obviously you would want to know what the asset you were there, you know, ostensibly just in case for is. They refuse to tell you. You are there in case something goes wrong in general. Something goes wrong in general on Ryza during this festival. You're supposed to uh, you're supposed to deal with it. That's the orders that you've gotten, and I'm going to shut up now and let the crew start taking over. Uh, you know what what's going on on the ship. All right, so we'll be having this in the ready room, and I I like the idea that we have just gotten off of communications, and um. It's sort of like call ends, and we're just sort of like sitting back, like, okay, how do we handle this? So I'm just going to start off with Graves having just a long sigh and thinking. 
What's on your mind, Captain? This is either, be, well, I can't help but think of this. This is because of our last mission. Just how it turned out, I'm just trying to consider. Is it because they think we're incapable or incapable? Like, are they doing this because they want us out there? Or because they want us to get us out of the way? I mean, if they're looking for an intelligent, like, a ship to handle this type of situation, a crew of cadets is probably not the way to go, especially if we're just giving us a week on Ryza. Like, a week. Like, full week. I've learned one thing about command. It's that you should never try and figure out what they're thinking. Ah, it's good advice. So, either way, the best way to proceed is just to effectively figure out what we're going to be doing in order to keep the peace in the best way possible, I suppose. Uh, hopefully, we're not going to run into any Starfleet security people down there. Um, let's see. I, I guess proceed to orbit and initiate uh, standard weight, uh, standard tour leave protocols, holding back certain key personnel that we want to have on hand in case anything goes wrong. So let's see. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But yeah, at, I think for the time being, we should probably just set a course and try to deal with this as best we can. Sounds good. And we leave the ready room onto the bridge to whatever other people are currently doing. So then the first other people um, who hear of the orders are, uh, are the people that are on the bridge, you know, fairly standardly. Um, when the order, uh, when you guys give Kara the order to change course and where you're going. And um, in fact, uh, Larissa, back at the tactical station, her, her, one thing you've noticed about the way that um, Larissa is at the main tactical station, there is never a point in time that you can consciously think of that one of her fingers or hands has not been on the console. Even if also she's like leaning, even if she's like leaning back, relaxing a little bit, She's got like her uh like her index finger up on the console. Um and in this case it's the you know the very same thing. Um she basically like just leans back from the console a little bit and says, We're going to Ryza? At about that same time, Kara simply throws both of her arms in the air. Woohoo, vacation. <laughs> Woohoo, vacation. Uh, Graves just sort of gives Carl a look, then addresses Larissa uh, and says, "In orders, we're going to be babysitting a some kind of new intelligence, uh, some kind of intelligence asset on Ryza. Details have not been forthcoming, but uh, I'd say chances are probably at this point 50-50 whether or not we actually do anything on this planet. So, for the time being, uh, let us plan and make every appearance for having vacation." He looks at Carl meaningfully. But at the same time, we may have to be on uh, uh, alert. So duty or uh, shift protocols will be updated um, uh, when we arrive, uh, but plan to integrate with the local populace uh, to some degree to, put, uh, to keep up the charade. Aye, sir. Taking us in. 
Kara is busy piloting the ship with one hand and looking up swimsuits with the other hand on a secondary monitor. <laughs> I love it. Um, Larissa, um, anyone, the, the people who could see what Larissa does at her console, because she's up, of course, behind the command cluster, would be um, if Rick Tier is at the engineering station on the bridge, you could see what she does, and Quentin would see what she does. Um, so the two of you can see that what Larissa does is she immediately begins calling up the uh, the schedule of the festival, everything that's going to be happening, like all of the big things. And her first line of inquiry quite literally is, how the hell are they giving away 50 freaking starships? Um, that's it's. It, as uh, as Kara had had written in our chat, um, fifty starships is a lot of resources. How are they just going to give away that many? And that's the first thing Larissa starts looking for. So who sees that? Uh, Quentin and Rick Tier, if he's on the bridge. <laughs> I think at this point I would be comfortable enough with how engineering is going to be be on the bridge unless there's um, right on. specific tasks that need to be done. Right on. Very cool. Um, that means that during, like, Alpha Shift, you are primarily manning the bridges engineering station. So, yeah, that's, that's, what, uh, that's basically what Larissa starts looking up immediately. So... Um, of course, now you've got me curious as to what anybody else in the bridge might be looking up. It's clear that we're all doing a little bit of multitasking now that Rise has been announced. You're all doing a little oh, and and also Larissa is looking at swimsuits too. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's about you know that's about it. Um, I love this crew. It, unless there's unless there's so, anything very specific you guys want to do before you arrive at Riza, the next scene begins with the Reliant warping into orbit around the beautiful blue-green planet Riza, uh, and immediately picking up. Um, uh immediately picking up until like i mean larissa larissa doesn't you know send it through the entire ship or the whole bridge or whatever but but if you remember how it was in um star trek picard when they when they came into orbit around free cloud and like all of the advertisements started coming up for them uh larissa closes it down but you're all aware you can you can tell that that happens because all of your consoles show it um <laughs> all of your consoles show that the planet tries to contact you and sell you tons of stuff um <laughs> and that's about it so graves is just going to be kind of going through the motions a little bit more distracted than usual but he's he, he, it seems like he's got his mind Slightly on something else, slightly on the mission, a little bit uneasy. We've reached orbit, Captain. I'm putting us right over the major central city right now. Um, unless you want me to go somewhere else. Uh, let's see. I mean, 
Central City, uh, that's going to be a little bit ways off from our destination. There's a resort um, that's hosting the major festivities over on the um, no, directionality. Oh, southeastern cluster of islands that kind of looks like a question mark. Anyway, uh, put us around there just to give us minimum transporter time. Aye, aye, Captain. Putting us in questionable orbit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, Marcus has to restrain himself from actually doing a head desk at that point with this little <laughs> side table. Like, he almost lets that slip of just like, oh, my God. Like, could like can this just not not be happening? So, so Rick's, while we've um, been traveling and all that, Rick's been actually going over the Corvette details. Um, just, okay. just over the schematics there, just sort of curiously. Right on. Um, because of the way that the game works now, um, imagine that what you're looking at is... Uh, Tier six version of the Rysian Corvette, um, with a whole lot of uh, what would I call them decorative options, I suppose. Um, you know, places you can put on a spoiler and um, what its you know what its exact uh, power output is, how they're directing it through the engines. Um, Everything you could possibly want to know about this new Corvette is easily available. Unless you, unless you're like, do I want to know like, um, do I want to know where the, the, the do I want to know where the hidden compartments are for pirates and smugglers and, um, you know, you hadn't even really thought of that before. Like Larissa notices you checking that out, and so she sends something over to your terminal. It is literally where the hidden compartments beneath the deck plating on the Corvette <laughs> are likely for smuggling, because that's what she went looking for. So um, sharing information uh, with other people on the ship, you can easily find out. This is a very fast little ship. It is little. It's not a big it's not a big ship at all. It's uh, I would say it's probably a little bigger than a Defiant, but not much. I can't remember exactly on Okay, Rick's going to try and customize the heck out of it anyway. Um, but, in your mind, just in yeah. case you happen to win one. <laughs> um, you come to find out that that, is, um, that that is exactly what it is. Their initial production line is huge. They've they seen nothing but um they like basically there's nothing but desire for this ship. Um people want to own it both for prestige and there are you know, there are racing communities out in the galaxy and people want it for that. Um so it's a very popular ship and their initial their initial line is going to be huge. Something like 2,000 units are being produced. Giving away 50 of those 2,000 during this festival, is it, it, it's a big marketing gimmick. Um, it's a way to get both the ships seen by the public and build a lot of goodwill that makes people feel decent about buying it from them. 
So um, it's nothing, you know, there, there's nothing uh, uh, would be the word. You know, there's nothing suspicious about it once you take the time to look up all of the details of what's happening. Um, it's a huge party is what's happening. And anybody who looks for it can find that out. Um, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. What I see in chat is that... Um, um, is that uh, Marcus would be looking for uh, um, politics and such. Um, yeah, this is a planet that's like basically one giant party. Um, there, there, there are a, a few governmental figures that make decisions about when parties happen, where they happen, what companies are given uh, what what companies are given building permits and et cetera et cetera but for the most part it's Riza. um uh, i was too old for Riza when i was in the academy the first time i like that quentin um so so back to on board your ship um as have enough time to make any preparations that you want so um, as I've been typing in chat, uh, Ensign Tardigrade has been packing safety equipment. So he's got a life vest, he's got lots of floaties, he's got extra floaties. He's got uh, two inflatable duckies, uh, he's got GPS tracker, uh, trackers and signal buoys, he's got a flare, uh, flare launcher, a portable uh, camping kit, and he's also got a harpoon. <laughs> I question the harpoon. Anyway... Kara has replicated herself a nice cyan and pink swimsuit, and then noticing that Oakley has been going around decorating the ship by changing what the monitors display when not in use, goes to help Oakley. Pretty soon, there are neon palm trees and shells all around the ship. Oh my goodness. Well, that's and wonderful. So, as, as I just typed in chat, Lieutenant Tardigrade is not, or Ensign Tardigrade, is not sure why he has a harpoon, but he figures it might come in handy. Just a little simple brain's like, um, I'm going to bring this. I can fit it. I can bring it. Uh, the only question that I have that Ricky raises from an engineering standpoint is make sure that he doesn't uh, poke all the floaties and inflatable things that he has with the sharp pointy end. Oh, he's, he, he's made sure that's all safe. And okay. according to uh, transported according to Starfleet regulations, because he's a good junior security officer. It's got a cord oh, at the so. end over the ho over the harpoon part. It's got I was just cords. about to say that. Most excellent. So who all is beaming down to Ryza? Captain has given am. permission for everyone to beam down of the senior crew. Oh my goodness. I'm going. That's just brilliant. Everyone? Kara heads for the transporter room. She's already wearing her swimsuit underneath a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. She's actually looking up any interesting places to eat on the beach. Uh, there is um, a little bit away from the main resort where you can get a, actually get rooms. Uh, there, there is a there is a restaurant on an archway at. Um, Right now, it's a it, right now it it reads as generic Rysian foods, but if you look even more than like a you know a second at what uh, what is being offered there, there are uh, there are a number of, of 
hitters on the space uh food you know like restaurant uh galactic galactic level like restaurant chains all like trying a uh, competing to see if they can be the ones that run uh, the restaurant on the new place starting next year for right now it's basic rising rising fair which to be fair is unique and not uh something that you get every day on board a starship so um that would probably end up being your choice and I think uh, I, I hope you you know which area I'm talking about on the the Ryza map. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's the the second one. Um, not the not the area where the main resort is, but the further promenade. down. Yes, that's what it's called in game. The promenade. Promenade. I haven't been there in a year. I forgot. So. Uh... <laughs> um, Kara's going to head for the promenade and beam down with her Hawaiian shirt, shorts, and swimsuit. Is anybody going with her? I, I imagine Nala is going oh. with her. Well, yeah, but that's a given. That's our 100% allowed on, on planet. The only thing not allowed is weapons. Except the harpoon with the cork on it. Uh, they're, they're interested, and yeah, the fact that it has a cork on it... Um, makes them seem to let it go when JT tar- when when John Tardigrade beams down. Um they seem to let it go. It's so, like kind of a sidelong glance like does he have a harpoon with a cork on the end of it? So um, I presume that Eli has a certain costume. Yeah, I was about to say that, but everyone else was excited. So, yes, I am dressed in another Lando costume. If any watched, <laughs> watched Solo, the one where it's at the end of the movie and he he's at the table gambling. And it's white pants, white shoes, white cape, and the, the shirt with all the funny designs on it. There's a picture on it in here and character info for anyone who hasn't right seen on. it. And, a, it. and like a red scarf tie thing. Car looks over at him. You look good, but are you sure you won't be too warm? No such thing as too warm for me. Well, I guess if you're looking for a hot time, there you go. Yep. (laughs) I want to see if there's gambling on the island. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there is. The question is, legal or illegal? Um, <laughs> looking into it, you can find the legal, uh, that, that there is definitely legal gambling available on Ryza. So, start um, with the legal and work my way up. Start with the legal and work my way up. I like it. I, I, I also am quite fond, I must admit, of picture that uh we're gonna have to like post the pictures of like everybody's vacation gear along with the episode or something um but yeah that's that's a great picture of exactly what i would imagine waitley looks like arriving on risa (laughs) that smile dude (laughs) i love it how no one ever questions how you know 
Eli's wearing Lando's outfit, and he's just he's a pale redheaded trill. Like, you know, um, I I I get this image in my mind of like um. So he doesn't have the accent, but he's like some of I can't remember the name of the movie where Brad Pitt played um, uh, they called Mikey. I don't know, but but everyone that was like like he played uh, 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 basically a, a thief type of character, and his brother was like this redhead who dressed very flamboyantly. Um, and although I, he didn't have a beard, that's kind of what I get in my mind. Or like one of the like it reminds me of the commitments in the old the old movie the commitments if you've ever seen it where it's just like these irish guys who look super like they're, they're like just really cool and really like i i don't and that's the image i get of eli every time you describe him so well eli's half it eli's human half is like 100 percent irish right well you see the thing you've got here is that you're dressing like lando so to pull off, you don't need to look like Lando. You need to act like Lando. Exactly. And you're leaning into it, so. Right, and so I never question that. That's why I never question it. I'm just like, that's just how I see uh, the character of our doctor. In you know, in any situation off duty, it's awesome. Not any situation off duty, but oh, a, lot a lot of them. A so, lot. Just or so undercover. Happy. That's also his undercover outfit. <laughs> Okay, um, so yes, anyone else want to talk about what they're doing once they arrive on Rise of Finding Food is super easy, Kara. Um, and it's really, um, let me make our first roll of the game. I, I forget what is the, uh, is, it, is it an exclamation point or a backslash? For the exclamation, box. I believe. Exclamation. That's it. Okay. Success. The food is absolutely um, satisfactory. <laughs> the 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 chef that is on duty when you arrive over at the promenade. If anyone else is following, they they so actually Larissa would be following you. Um, she doesn't have on her uh, her swimsuit yet. Um, well, actually, she does, but her swimsuit is a standard Federation gear one piece that is uh, that has the Starfleet Delta on it, and she's wearing her uh, she's wearing her lighter officer's jacket over top of that, and she's just following you um, down to where um, down to where. Um, uh, I, I'm glad that, oh, cool. I'm glad you know exactly what I'm thinking of when I describe that. Yeah, she's going to go with you to get something to eat. She's like, I've never been on Ryza. So um, just uh, for what Graves is going to be doing, uh, he's just going to be ducking into a cafe with Lieutenant Tar or uh, John Tardigrade. Awesome. Um, Want to gamble with me? <laughs> huh? 
do very easily find some gambling right like with the legal stuff that's happening is happening right in the main lobby of the resort with a whole bunch of uh vendors dealing in various commodities that the Rhysians will accept as legal tender um surrounding it and um there are these two beautiful Dabo tables. Any cards? You, you, you ask around and see if there are any cards. Make a... Let me let me go to the drive and open Eli O'Connor's sheet. There is it. There we go. Make... Uh, and Baz, tell me if I'm thinking of the right thing here. Uh, uh, presence um command which brings you to a a, a 12 um yeah that's that's what i would probably do that just for like a gathering in the just for a gathering information check so roll two dice 12 is your target all right just uh just a hot moment so i can put that controller down and okay so it was uh apostrophe or slash uh, exclamation point, um, yeah, and you don't have to use the word roll. So it's just R? R oh, it's just two, exclamation two, point 2D20, two and then your target number. Okay, okay, I remember now, and you said 12. And success. That's all you needed for them to tell you that um, there certainly are card games. Uh, in fact, they direct you to what is essentially the mezzanine floor of the of the resort, which is right up above this main lobby area. There's kind of a glass, uh, beautifully decorated, smoky green glass ceiling. That um, you can see out to the open sky in because it, it kind of does this pulsing thing where it almost looks like it's not there. And it's a very beautiful artistic feature of the top. And um, around that, you can see that the resort continues to go up more floors. And they direct you to, uh, they call it a turbo lift. They, they direct you to a turbo lift uh, through the back lobbies and tell you that there are card games, um, many different card games happening upstairs in the mess. Yes, do they have Fizbin? <laughs> they have Fizbin. Oh, that's no, the that one was, from uh, that's, that's the one from, from a piece of the action. Yep. I didn't know that right away. That's like one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, they have this been no, but only because it's not a real game. Um, I know. But I, was... I know. That's, that's like the answer to the question is the only reason it's not there is because it doesn't exist. Because when you and if there's anyone else going gambling, um, when you and whoever else is going gambling step off of the turbo lift, Every possible card game you can imagine is up there. Waitley, um, gamble with me. We have a big advantage. The biggest <laughs> advantage. Hey, Waitley um, just so thinks he's dead. Uh, does his what? 
I said, wait, Waitley just shakes his head. <laughs> so where does Waitley go? Um, so I, I was I was going to wait for everybody to to do to have their fun. So as soon as the orders came down, Waitley was at his station, basically pouring over all the uh, psychology reports about Ricians and. Anybody paying attention to him was probably noticing he was very flustered and confused and kept rereading everything he could, trying to understand the Ricean mentality. Finally, he gave up, and as soon as they got there, that's when he goes and, and changes out to <laughs> He shaves his goatee and everything. He's just like, I'm going to enjoy myself. No one is going to stop me. <laughs> so he basically just goes and sits at the beach and watches the water. And anybody that's paying attention to him or looks at him, he's literally doing nothing but just staring out at the sunset and drinking a Mai Tai. Awesome. I like that a whole lot. Um, what do uh, what, what does our married couple do? Um, are Quentin and Kendra going to stick together? What are What are you guys going to do? Well, can I talk? Hey, I'm talking. Yeah, I can hear you. I can't hear him right now. Oh, but I heard him. I went quiet, and her mic decided to stop push talking. Oh. Hey, guest, what are you doing? I'm lamenting only being able to bring three books and. (laughs) <laughs> Three books for a week. And it ends, uh, well, for the first day. And I'm dragging <laughs> him and his books towards um, where we can rent some floaters so we can go up to the caves for a picnic. Oh, that's awesome. That is the greatest thing ever. I love that um, it's the two, that, that the two of you are heading up toward... Uh, uh, on on some floaters heading up like there's there's this marked area of some beautiful caves with a view um, from one side that oversees the resort and the ocean and if you take the short hike through the cave the other side of it overlooks uh, overlooks what was the active in the the inner caldera of the volcano. So you could have your picnic in either place. And um, when you uh, when you arrive up there, your your scene lasts us a little bit longer because when you arrive up there, there is a fellow uh, on on the uh, right at the entrance to these caves that you find there there is a, a Rysian fellow um, dark uh, kind of like a dark copper skin he obviously is out in the sun a lot um, and he you as you land your floaters nearby and he says now I don't recognize either of you I am Pavel Pavel I um so if you're new to Riza I I 
Are you new to Ryza? Have you ever been here before? Have you ever gotten to play hide and seek in this glorious, beautiful place? No, I can't say that I ever have. Well, and that's just what we're going to have to do today. I am very, very good at hiding. So I see you've brought something to eat. After, um, a- a- after we're done eating, you should come and try to find me, I think. Just remember, go find me. There it gets foggy in the morning. Enjoy your picnic. And he uh, he smiles at both of you. And uh, if you remember in the, the one real Ryza episode um, that we ever got um, on television that I remember, they gave them something like Hawaiian Lays, or, or didn't they? Didn't, didn't they? Yeah. And, and was it Enterprise or TNG? But I remember it. It was, there, there were, it was TNG and Deep Space Nine, actually, now that I think of it, um, that gave us those episodes. But yeah, um, he... Well, we uh, did all, get an Enterprise episode on Riser. Okay, we did. All right. Um, uh, what, what he does is he's got like this bandolier with a bunch of those hanging on them, and he takes uh, one off for each of you and offers you each basically a, a, a flowered, a, a flowered, you know, lay uh, to have around your necks and uh, leaves you to have your picnic wherever the two of you want to have it. Thanks. We will be sure to look for you later. <laughs> I, I had to include Pavel. He's one of the best things of the of the Ryza map. <laughs> you have come find me, yes? I am Pavel. You were playing my game of hide and seek, and we'll drink Tranya. It was better when the day and night cycle still existed, but he's still a really fun part of that map, in my opinion. Um, I got so, that accolade so long ago that... <laughs> but you recognize it. <laughs> so we really have... Um, uh, um, we, we really have one of your crew who ends up drawing a good deal of attention and just just by being just by being them um so the cafe marcus to fill up um just one little side note though if we're going to go for lieutenant tardigrade uh-huh. he is he has left the cafe because okay. he spotted because you said, I was going to say, I was going to come back to where you had said Marcus and Lieutenant Tardigrade were in the, were in the cafe together. Yeah. Um, so, because he has a harpoon, even though it has a huge cork on the end of it. He's got a lot of people looking at it like, hmm. Oh, yeah. He's, he doesn't necessarily have the harpoon like out. It's like, like a collapsible unit that's in his suitcase. Oh, right on. So that that's already been you know stored away. They transported it to the room. So it's basically just the tard- tardigrade. His little uniform. He's still full Starfleet uniform, but he saw Kendra dragging Quentin. 
And he went to call him like, I want to be a good security officer. So, but he gets stuck in line for the floaters. So he is now getting equipped with the floater himself by himself. Marcus is still in the cafe. Mm, Okay. So Lieutenant Tardigrade is trying out the floater. And I think we'll probably need to do a roll for whether or not this is successful. Yeah, let's see if uh, Lieutenant... That's that's the next thing that we see is Lieutenant Tardigrade taking to the skies. Um, No, no, no. We got to roll for it. We got to roll for it. He may may just face plant and fall into the water. That's possible. Oh, I'm just saying, like, he's, he's getting equipped for it. So he hasn't taken off. Because it'd be dangerous if he was just sort of, like, shot up into the sky, and now we find out if he's going to work. But it's now just going to be, can he use the floater? Okay, I'm going to say that would be, uh, hmm, uh, <laughs> that's that's one of those, hmm, what would, what would... Probably a control con, because it's um, controlling no, a vehicle. You're, no, you're, you're right, it is like controlling a vehicle. I'm going to go with that control con, uh, control and con for tardigrade is eight plus one, so his target is nine. Face <laughs> yep, he face plants. Uh, that that is definitely a result that says he face plants. Yeah, so he, he just like he just goes up a little bit and then face plants onto the promenade. So at this point, he's not going to be he he's going to say like, okay, this is not not for me. So he's going to not use the floater. So he's now just sort of like in the middle of like the promenade or wherever, like that little area they've got down below for sort of all the little equipment. So he he is now just sort of like looking around like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm all alone. I don't know what to do. I'm a little tardigrade in this big place. Hmm. Wow, I I am I am uh, I am wholly interested in um, does Lieutenant Tardigrade end up doing right now? Um, how does how does he deal with like where he is? Um, so I would say I would say that he gets the feeling um, because he's Lieutenant Tardigrade because of. I think of as like their, you know, their abilities and um, what his abilities would be. Um, I would imagine he would feel uh, that the people around him genuinely um, have one of two emotions toward him. And that's either they want to help or they are not concerning themselves with him at the moment. I'd say under the situation, he's going to be feeling pretty nervous. So he's actually going to try to like get, like get to a sort of a quiet space. So a little, he's going to try to find somewhere there aren't as many people. Okay. Does he need to roll for that? Um, no, because from where people were renting these floaters, um, it's there, there are Wooden stairways that lead um, one leads down into very like sh- a very shallow swimming area, and one leads down uh, onto a kind of a small beach. 
between the the beach is between uh, between walking docks. It is it is open to the sea there, but it is uh, it is smaller, and there are not nearly as many people there as there are on the docks or on the other beach. So he's going to go to that beach. Okay, but he's um, gonna when like so. I think I know where you're trying to set this up on the map, but. As soon as he gets to the sand, he's going to poke it. He's going to poke the sand. He's never seen sand before. Oh, that's awesome. So he pokes the sand. He's got, uh, we are, we begin to see um, Lieutenant Tardigrade exploring an environment he, or excuse me, Ensign Tardigrade exploring an environment that he has never found himself in before. That is awesome. Um, So, Meanwhile, um, as we've taken a, a, a look in at, at everyone else, um, meanwhile, back in the cafe, like, what did Marcus do when Tardigrade uh, walked out the door and left? Um, he's just going to, like, just hang out. Like, that's his sort of, like, mentality right now. Of He just needs himself a place just to sort of relax, not be sort of the captain. So he's just going to be... Just sort of, he's in sort of a sort of a casual wear. So he's got a, like a light jacket on, nothing Starfleet uh, uh, logoed. So he's just sort of found a spot, just has not even the data pad. He's just sipping a drink of some kind. Awesome. Um, you are you are aware that there are a couple of other people. One is. Uh, there, there are two other table. There, there are people sitting at tables, and you're sitting at like a, a service bar, maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. There. At, at one of the the tables, there's a couple appears to be a Rysian and a human. Um. And uh, at another table, there is. We're pretty certain to cling on. He's in uh, relaxed vacation gear, but ever since you came in and sat down, he's shifted his attention from the other human to both you and the other human. And that's just been the the way it's been for like the last 15 minutes or so when you're aware of another person coming in and sitting at the seat next to you. Uh, She is beautiful. By the way, um, I, I I I hesitate ever to like describe beauty because it's a subjective thing. Um, in this case, she's beautiful, not necessarily because um, certainly she's beautiful. That's all I can say. But you also just feel very drawn to her as she sits down. She is an Orion. Um, she is dressed in uh, she is dressed in kind of like classically Orion bikini type wear. But she also has uh, she also has a set of uh, epaulets that um, that are strapped around her underarms, off of which uh, off of which comes um, uh, like a, a a small mini cape. 
like the kind of cape that comes down to like just just where her butt is, not all the way down. Um, and that is uh, that that has kind of a yellowish golden color to it, with uh, with some some sort of Orion. Um, imagine like people that might have like a Jap you know a Japanese kanji for like courage on on a cloth or something. There's some sort of Orion symbol that you assume means something unless. You read and write Orion, which you very well might, given your background. Um, he uh, can read it a little bit, but sort of at the where is the diner type level, he can't. He doesn't know right. like he he knows enough to basically play tourist. Um, although I will correct you on one point, Marcus is, is not drawn to her, so that okay. is one thing. Because yeah, so he's been a little uh, well, distracted not lately. Ne- not, necessar- not necessarily in a she's Orion, so you're drawn to her way. Yeah, just, but just sort of the intention is like... She just walked in with a presence yes. is, what I, is what I'm getting at. Like, everybody no- at the very least notices her walk in. So There's at no- this point, Marcus, and we'll get to Rick here in just a, sec- or just a sec, but Marcus is going to draw his attention to the Klingon. Okay. And and he's just sort of like he he's gonna try to sort of project that like I'm just here to relax, but he's just kind of keeping a little bit of a tab on what the Klingon is, how the Klingon is responding to this person. Okay. Um he stops paying attention to the two of you humans and he gets a smile on his face and takes a He's got a drink in front of him that is in a frosty glass, a frosty mug. It's not a glass. Um, it's uh, it's a mug that has obvious like the uh, the the mug itself is the ice for the drink, and so you don't really know exactly what he's drinking. It has an amber color to it, and uh, he moved. She obviously gets his attention when she walks in and it makes him smile and relax a little and take a drink of his drink. That's what the Klingon does. And Marcus is just going to continue just trying, keeping his attention. Like I want to, I want to see if this person does anything, but just sort of like, he's also trying to stop himself from doing this, but it's just sort of that, that feeling of, Wanting to get away from command, but also seeing this as like I should probably, I should probably be on like, you know, I, I should probably remember that we we actually are here on a mission, right? <laughs> kind well, of more specifically, he's, <laughs> he's thinking like, is this something that's related to the mission? So it's right. like, okay, here's a Klingon, here's an Orion. They're both pretty conspicuous, and the Klingon has just expressed a sigh of relief at this person entering the bar so okay. there's a question make, of was he expecting her okay make a uh let me bring up uh marcus's character sheet um i think now now baz probably should help me on this one i think this is an insight command again this is like reading body language and what's happening in the room yep that that, that works Okay, so your target number is 12, and 
see any focuses that apply. So your target number is 12. One success um, is enough to tell you that um, is affected by the same thing that is making you start to say, I kind of want to like just relax and have a vacation, but I also like, is this something you realize that um, are subtly, probably because you also already had like another interest uh, when she walked in, you're probably subtly being affected by her pheromones. He is non-subtly being affected by her pheromones as the as you realize that the Rhysian and the human, the other the Rhysian and the other human, they also are non-subtly being affected by her pheromones. Their everyone else's attention has turned to her, including the barkeep, who asks um, you know, in a very deferring way, what what can I get for you? Um, she orders a drink, um, asking for whatever the Rhysian version of uh, of an Orion sunrise might be, and then she turns to look at uh, she turns to look at you and uh, look more more at like the back of your head actually for a moment and say, "Well, I got everyone else's attention." Hello. Uh, at this point, Graves is seriously debating just like, sorry, I got to get going, like just completely brushing this off. Mm-hmm. But he with like he he's going to scoop down the bar a little bit, but he's going to try to make a, a, a maintain this conversation of just like, OK, let's just like this is technically not being on duty. So he's just going to sort of proceed to the sort of the, the forms of this socialization so he's gonna say uh he's just gonna say hey all right so i personally have no interest in surfing i have no interest in flying around but i do have people i do have interest in people who do not seem to have interest in me it's not usually how it goes um the uh, her hair is a um her hair is a blonde uh, in color kind of a, a that you would almost call light brown it it's that that thin line between light brown and dirty golden blonde is the color of her hair uh, uh okay like i'm just going to actually search through my screenshot roster real quick but yeah just um so just to sort of set up what Graves is doing here. Uh, answer to that, Kendra, is yes, but there's some character stuff, too, going on. The well, Marcus I think is, I know what's going on in character. Yeah, so, Orions have a syndicate, and Marcus knows all about it. He, he knows all about it, and he's just kind of annoyed by Orions, and just sort of hold it like he's never really gotten along with them because he's always been at that level of they are like the people he's interacting with just try to pry him a little. Like it, it's always using the pheromone. Like his thing is using the pheromones and the socialization to leverage other species. He basically views it as like a form of cheating or telepathy mm-hmm. that people haven't right. caught onto yet. So he's going to be pretty experienced with like how to control himself under the circumstances. I so think this is great. I really do. I think this so, is awesome. 
so the one thing uh, Graves is going to do, he's basically he's not, like on the inside of his like he lifts up the inside of his jacket where his combat is. So he basically just says at that point, like, he says like uh, he just like Starfle he just says Starfleet uh, been on command or been on tour for quite a while, and I'm just trying to resume some kind of normality. Yeah, something just something just dropped off there at the end. Starfleet, uh, been oh, on a tour. Oh, uh, Been on a tour, and he's just. I'm just looking to try to find my feet again. She, um, she uh, reaches into. Uh, imagine that she's got um, one of those like Orion, like it's not an Orion-styled bikini. What it is is a Rysian-styled bikini with um, she's draped her own Orion like uh, jewelry and medals around it. Um, so she's like uh, she's combined the two styles a little bit. Um, she's not wearing any sort of headdress or anything else, but she reaches just inside of the, uh, the just inside of one of the breasts of the bikini. And she brings out in two fingers and sets it down on the bar in front of her, a small communicator that, um, that you recognize. It's kind of a boxy shape with a, with a long, uh, with a long rectangle that comes off of it, and um, you recognize it as a syndicate communication device. And she sets that down on the bar, and she goes, great, now all our cards are on the table. I work for the syndicate. I've been out in space for a very long time with some very green men. I don't like green men. So when I heard about this vacation possibility, decided to come here and try to find some pink ones. I just posted something in chat. I do. Buy, and she says, and she says, buy you a drink. Um, Mar uh, Marcus just kind of leans back and says, um, sure. Nice. So we fade away from that scene with an Orion, uh, with a, with an Orion buying Marcus drinks in a cafe, um, and we come back up on uh, the beach where Chaplin, you really have found maybe the most beautiful planet that you have ever ever been on. The, the background emotions of this place, Chaplin, are just brilliant. Um, everyone's happy. Um, it's it's almost like they're on happy pills, but they're not really on happy pills. Um, and um, that's just the situation that you're in, Quentin and Alenis. You are coming out of your. Uh, uh, hold on, your, hold on. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I was I was trying to give you the thumbs up in chat just to say this is where everybody is, and then land on Rick. So Chaplin, you're on the beach. Eli, you're seeing um, every card game you could possibly want. Kara, you're seeing Liza in its fullest. 
the uh, the the food was fine, and you also happened to be present when uh, like a surfboard powerboard race goes off underneath you. And um, as I, I said, the the two uh, Quentin and Elenis, you're finishing up your picnic. You have you still have floaters on rental. You can kind of go anywhere on the island. And Rick Tier, what are you doing um, on Riza at this moment? Well, Rick's in um, some modified board shorts, got a long towel um, uh, draped over his shoulder. Um, and uh, he is on the beach uh, looking out, watching watching the, the, the power board races, but also um, putting together sticks and shells and other structural and ornamentation necessary for building a sandcastle. Awesome. Um, in fact, because that's what you start to do, um, the, uh, it becomes very easy for Rick to find out there is a sandcastle building contest that happens around noon every day that is uh, often attended by newcomers to Riza. And uh, so basically in another hour, there's going to be a sandcastle building contest, um, and you're just in the in the process of setting up for it. Um, that uh, that every day that happens, it's a combination of rising children and newcomers to Risa all building sandcastles uh, in an area of beach near the promenade, where there's. Uh, Kind of, uh, you recognize because you're an actual engineer. You recognize that there's no way that many broken sticks, and that many piles of leaves, and that many patches of the exact kind of right sand exist all in the same area. Like, there's just no way. You know that this is uh, something that the they probably didn't even have to terraform it, really. They probably just keep this area full of everything you need to build really good sandcastles. And uh, really, with you know, with a lot of like wonderful time passing on Riza, uh, I'd like you to make a building sandcastles roll. Uh, so control engineering. Yeah, I was thinking control engineering. Uh, it's my difficulty. Uh, it's, 16, uh, I think. Let's see. What do you have as far as uh, focuses? I, I don't know that any of them would apply, but you never know, right? Um, and none of them would apply. Sandcastles are not experimental technology. <laughs> okay, rowing for two successes. You build you you build yourself a point of uh, you build your group rather a point of momentum. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, you have your first point of momentum and you build a really nice sand castle. I'm only going to make one roll here, and this roll is for the champion. And castle builder. Uh, so it's 2d20, the target, and then what's the number after it? Is that the complication range? Uh, the, the next number is 
is uh, critical success, the number after is complication. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, he got two successes, just like you. You tie with a Rysian kid who's 10 years old for having the best sandcastle on the beach. And he uh, he offers to teach you how to build better sandcastles. <laughs> a little like when when you do so well in the sandcastle building contest, he's like you've got potential. He's like he's like really proud of his ability to build sandcastles. It's kind of like that's his thing. Um, and he's like that kid who's like. You're pretty good at building sandcastles. I mean, it yeah, takes you more. Yeah, see, if Rick is going all in on this. He, he like, uh, asks, like, specific questions about specific parts. How did you get that kind of thing to, to, uh, uh, to sit just hey, quite right uh, and all that kind of stuff? He, he is definitely getting into that kind of in-depth discussion with a 10-year-old about sandcastles. <laughs> find out that Rhysians, um physically age about the same speed as humans, but just a little bit slower. He's actually 14 years old. And he's been building sandcastles since he was three. So he's like, he's like saying he's, been, he's like proud of been building sandcastles for more than, you know, 10 years. Um, and he does have, like, some of it is just he has a real sense of, like, artistry and, like, what he's doing and, like, how he used the wet leaves and things like that. Um, but something that you may have a chance to notice interacting with this, uh, with, with this rising in like young teen let's see your character sheet uh call it an insight and uh call it insight command that way you've got a a a fair to average chance of it um insight command is an 11 and you have no focuses that apply yes uh whoever wrote that in chat just now kara yes this kid is you make your roll here. <laughs> oh my god, what does he get? Target of 11. Yes! Oh yes, this kid is like a, a little prodigy. Um, he is instinctually really, really good at engineering. Um, it's just something that you notice. Uh, it's, it's definitely his skill and, uh, you, you, you have picked that up and you can take that, uh, however, you know, however is important to you. Um, Kara, I saw somewhere in chat that Kara may, uh, pass by where, um, Kaplan Waitley is on the beach. Yes. Actually, I was just joking around. That wasn't intended. Oh, okay. Oh, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Make that suggestion. We can, we can, okay, let's. Let, we'll still do that. But I had, I was gonna do something else as well. Is that okay for me to combine the two small things? Yeah. Okay. Well, the first thing Cara does is she goes by Chaplain Waitley, notices him lounging under the colorful umbrella in his black shorts and black shirt, and 
black sunglasses and black shoes and says, you know, I think I know a drink that you might like. It's called the Black Prince. I think it would suit your current look. And, and he just glowers at her and takes another sip of his very brightly colored loco unicorn cocktail and goes back to staring at the she. <laughs> and actually, I think I might like one of those. Carl wanders over across the beach in her swimsuit to a nearby little hut where, you know, just a local vendor has set up. She goes and leans on the bar, looks at the hut, looks back at the beach, does a double take, looks back into the hut, blinks twice. Hazra? Is that you? I thought you were back on, and she trails off. I need a moment. (laughs) It's getting the voice. I like it. That's a good place. That's a good place for Hosler to be. Um, a good reason, as I I, uh, I messaged you earlier this week, Duncan. A good reason for Hosler to be on planet is he runs a bar, and there are a lot of like bars and restaurant areas opening on Riza in the next year, and people are putting in bids. So he could possibly be there trying to get a spot on Riza. So he, he 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 responds with yes, Hazra is uh, Hazra has an exciting new business opportunity. Would you like to try it? Is it colorful and likely to put me in an altered state of consciousness? Quite precisely, it is very colorful, and the altered state of consciousness is being well reviewed so far by our initial test subjects. I'll take three. Three may be excessive, but we shall try. So. Here is Hazra's microbrewery. We use very specialized replicator technology, plus this crystal thing that we have found. It has so far had the most unusual interaction with the drinks, but we shall see how it interacts with three at the same time. Notice the power levels go way up, much higher than we expect, but this is probably safe. So you see, the sparks go into the drink very colorful, yes? They start out a light brown. This is normal brew. The crystal then interacts in a way that we think may be similar to a replicator, but we are not sure yet. So the sparks go into the drink, the drink turns blue, then red, then goes on fire a little bit, and then back to blue, before turning yellow in the middle, and then green around the outside. Now here, here is your drink one, drink two, and drink three. Kara looks down happily at what she's been given and over at the strange contraption that Hazra has built. Hazra, you are a galactic treasure. Never change. We shall see. And then she goes to take a drink of the first one. This absolutely needs to be a roll. You got to max out the difficulty. I, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, let's uh, let's make it a roll. You're drinking a drink made by Hazra. Um, Kara has. Um, what would you call this one, Baz? Sorry, my microphone was pushed away from my face, and I just realized it. Um, what would you call drinking a strong drink, Baz, as far as a roll uh, goes? D- depending on how you want to frame it, is it a would it be like a more sturdiness of the body, fitness, the the body processing it well, or is it more of a mental? Um, I think I'm gonna call it. Fitness and uh, 
it's a fitness and a com- I'm going to go fitness command. How is yeah, that? I think that's that's, that's the best option. Your target number is ten. Uh, two successes needs two, not just one. This is a tough call. Can this I? Is, this is a very alcoholic drink. Can I spend one of my Maybe. determination points? Yes, you have an automatic success to begin with. Uh, what value are you calling on for this? Because you need to define uh, it to a value. Life is fragile. That that would work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Um, really, as you smell this and you're about to drink it, you could invoke "Life is Fragile" for uh, an automatic success. Is there anything living in the drink? I could also say the study in conservation of biology. <laughs> Just make the roll. <laughs> you got one automatic success. Fail, uh, fail, 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 fail. It's, a, a, it's an automatic crit. So he's oh, already passed it. Cool. Oh, cool. Uh, Mag, uh, you wait, no. Hippie, use yeah. a threat. Oh, I could threat. use a threat. I am going to use a threat. To what can I do with a threat? Trying to think. What can I do with a threat here, Vaz? Uh, well, you can probably change the role a bit. You could um, create a complication, so there is still like a minor effect. Oh, oh, oh I like the complication. Oh, I like the complication. I, I like this. All right, so to um, drinking the drink. You do not immediately pass out. Uh, although you are 100% certain, there have been times in your life if you had had the drink like this drink that you just drank, you would have passed directly out. In fact, you think you still know many people who would pass directly out by drinking this drink. Um you instead become immediately intoxicated, although still in control of the actions that you take while you are intoxicated. Um, whatever was in this drink has uh, has the effect of uh, metabolizing. Is that the word I'm looking for? The alcohol into your system faster. Um, like, like someone... Cass just wrote in chat, like having your brain smashed by a large gold brick wrapped in lemon. Um, yeah, so so you just just yeah, like a transgalactic gargle black. <laughs> okay, so Kara uh, takes a big swig off this, comes back. She's got like green kind of, you know, drink across her upper lip. Whoa, that's good squishy. Okay. Um, whoa, that's good. Um, Larissa, and- you got to try this. She slides the second drink towards Larissa. Oh, damn. Now Larissa has to make that roll. <laughs> because she is not going to say no. And it was what? Presence command that we went with? Uh, fitness command. Fitness command was what we went with. Oh, that's better. <laughs> For Larissa, that's a little better um, than what you had. Not by much. <laughs> she gets two successes. She just drinks it and says, ah, that's pretty good. 
Hazra, this is great stuff. Hey, Larissa, you think, very... bring... you think we should bring the should other one to Marcus or of... Chaplain Wheatley? We should buy some of this. Take back to the ship. Hell yeah. Uh, this has not been approved for interstellar transport, but if you plan to consume it while in orbit, the transport officials may not catch you. So... We can only, so, so this is a special we can only have this here drink, Kara. Give us both another one. Larissa, I, or Larissa buys you another drink that you will have to drink. Okay. Also, Kara looks over at Larissa. <laughs> hey, you were looking up that, that Corvette thing. Those, those, those panels you can hide things under. Can we get some of those in the Reliant? Then we could, and you and Larissa start having a drunken conversation in front of Hazra. About, about smuggling how, his drink out of system. About how you could smuggle things, yeah. <laughs> so they still got to roll for the second drink. Yeah, I, I agree. They still have to roll for the second drink, only this time, instead of two successes, you need three successes, because you're already drunk. She has no automatic successes. Uh, Larissa is really drunk, and so is Kara. The two of you are not really in control of yourselves right now. You're sitting at a bar on Riza, drunk as hell. And meanwhile... <laughs> Actually, I just like they're leaning against each other and starting to sing while drinking. <laughs> I think that's, that, that sounds really cool. Um, I, and meanwhile, Quentin and uh, Kendra... Um, you have finished your picnic, and have you made uh, any decision about whether you want to go try and find Pavel? Um, uh, 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 Sweetie, are we really going to go looking for that person? I have reading to do. I don't know. He seemed kind of strange. Strange is an understatement. Are you okay? I'm fine. <sighs> I don't know. I guess we should do something fun while we're here. It what? shouldn't take that long to find him, right? Um, I don't know. I don't do this sort of thing. You know do we, that. Do we have to do a roll? Yes. Um, both of you, if you, because you have floaters right now, um, both of you will have a chance to make a is a perception insight command. Um, Baz, does that sound right? Um. For for figuring out where to go with the clue that he that with the clue have. that they have uh, combined with flying around looking, does that sound right? Insight command. Yeah, I will. I will allow it. Sort of like okay, where you sort of get the information you need. Where like finding where that might be. Yeah, yeah, I'll allow that. I think that's good. Well, not that I will allow it, but. I support that. But that sounds that sounds right to you. Yeah. Um So in this case, um, uh, both of you, it looks like, have a fourteen. 
uh, as your target number. Let me double check that. Um, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, wrong character. I opened up the wrong one. There we go. Both of you indeed have a 14. Alenis, you have survival, which makes your um, your critical range anything that is four or below. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's... In, in your case, actually, Kendra, that's two critical successes. Um, and that's a lot of momentum. I'm adding it in my mind right now because between you, you needed two. Um, and so that builds... Or... That builds five. Six. One, two, three, four. That builds six momentum for you yeah. guys. So we're at max um, momentum now. Yes. Without a doubt, you are at max momentum from that roll. Holy cow. <laughs> um, science, the resort pamphlet, um, uh, his clue of um, you'd find him where the fog hides things, um, all of it together, plus flying, it actually, in a strange way, is kind of fun. Because you're flying around the island looking for, like, um, this, uh, lo looking for this, where this person might be hiding um, it actually in a strange way has its own little charm and looking at the brochures and looking at the maps and everything else that you see um, you find a place down uh, far behind um, the other side of the volcano uh, beyond, behind far away from where the resort and everything is there is a there 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 is a an area of a, a river that cuts the island in half that is just covered in like mist and fog and as you land like you notice um uh you notice that this place is obscured by fog and there is a small cave here first met him in a small cave maybe he likes small caves the grotto Grotto and uh, going inside. However, um, my only question is: Are either of you in any way using your tricorders? Um, uh, um, in either? Yeah, probably. I'm thinking probably. Um, no. no uh, are you using your tricorder in this search is my question. I would probably have it at the very least for um, the local environment. Okay. Next. Roll, um, roll an iScience it check, which uh, in this case is going to be um, what would be the right check for 
your tricorder skills being bad. What would be the right check for your tricorder skills being like so good that even though you're not looking for a specific something, you pick up a specific something in an area? Let's just say reason. Reason. Science. I was going to say reason. Reason, science. Right on. Your target number is 15. None of your focuses apply. And that's for, uh, there we go. One success. One success is all it takes. Um, there are... are readings that indicate that there have been a fair number of people in this cave um prints that say the same thing once you pick up on the the readings that say there were a fair number of people in this cave there were there were also at some point um I think there were crates. There's like a little central area in this like underground grotto. Um, and there's an area on that like central island spot where it looks like there were a couple of crates. And we're obviously not too long after whatever happened, but the evidence of it, literally you pick up the absolute last evidence of it. Somebody transported something out of this cave. You guys do not find Pavel here. Tender taps or combat. <laughs> Captain? Okay. I didn't, or we didn't hear the last bit. Tender, tender taps or combat was what I heard. Captain? I didn't hear the rest of it. Okay, can you guys hear me now? I can hear you. You keep cutting out a little bit too early. So are you using push to talk or the Discord automatic uh, voice? I'm using the automatic because I tried push to talk and then my mic wouldn't work at all. Uh, Okay. We're getting her on the recording. She's just saying captain. Yeah, Ah. that was all I said was captain. Okie dokie. Okay, Graves is going to tap his combat. Graves here. I'm actually... Actually, Kendra, do not receive a reply from the captain. Um, 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 uh, you'll uh, find out. Get any. You'll find out why. Uh, we didn't get any of that. I just heard middle and then a little bit of end. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, can you guys hear me now? I, I heard all heard of him. it. Okay. Um, I was I, the the Kendra does not get a reply from Graves. Hmm getting anything on my communicator i'm not hey hun i'm gonna go up in the air for a second and see if maybe something in this cave might be blocking the signal for my communicator okay be careful hey, who do you try to contact when you step outside the cave i try to contact graves again no response hmm. you receive uh you receive back that his um his communicator is receiving the is receiving your messages. Um, however, unless right now, unless messages are uh, unless communications are 
being tagged as emergency communication. He doesn't want it's like a do, basically imagine your com badge has a do not disturb. Um, Our com badge do not disturb settings. Imagine that 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 the only way you're going to get uh, through to Graves Combat right now is if you are like is if you send it as a priority signal. Kendra, not knowing what's going on, taps her combat and says, "Larissa, come in." Uh, <laughs> um, if I may. You may. Um, Larissa is incapable at the moment of responding, but she like grabs a hold of the front of your jacket and holds your face like near looking at her com badge. So basically, like your face is like right there, like near her com badge, and she's like, uh, she's like expecting you to talk. She's like, talk to her. <laughs> it's like some conspiratorial little. She can't know we're drunk. You talk to her. You basically just hear drunken singing. And eventually you start to understand that the song is another Irish drinking song by an old obscure earth band. And then the communicator cuts out as if shorted out by something. Oh, great. <sighs> Tardy, come in. Lieutenant Tardigrade uh, scravels back up to the surface. So he's on the beach. He has... In the intervening time, he has explored his new habitat. So he has learned that he can burrow into the sand, although it fills up quickly. So he doesn't burrow far. He only submerges himself. So then he'll scrabble along forward and leave these long trails in the sand as he's burrowing through. He still has his communicator, although at this point, he has made contact with the Ryzen equivalent of hermit crabs. So he is trying to initiate communications with them talking very slowly and very carefully with the Universal Translator. But he halts his diplomatic proceedings to tap his combat and say, uh, 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 Ensign Tardigrade here. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt your vacation, but I seem to have a job for you. He, he, he says he's saluting. I'm, I like that. I'm saluting. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Very good, very good. Okay, Tardy, here's what I need you to do. First, I need you to find the doctor and have him make up one of those concoctions he uses on himself whenever he gets drunk to sober him up. And it, have him administer it to uh, Larissa, and it sounds like Kara also. Then I need you to see if you can find the captain. I, I, I'm saluting again. I, I ma'am. Pour it back to me once you've done those things, please. Uh, oh, this is awesome because now we can cut to Eli. Actually, we if we if we, if that's cool, that's like a perfect time to cut to the gambling. Cool. The only thing I'll add is that before we move on, uh, uh, Instant Tardigrade bows to the crowds and then leaves to pursue his duty. Oh, this is so. This is such a fun episode. Um, okay, so we're gonna take. A, I'm gonna call it a ten minute break, if that's uh, how much people would like. We, um, we come back up in this um, heretofore unseen uh, floor of the main resort on Riza. It is. Um, it is like the mezzanine floor in uh, in a five star hotel. Um, it's the the turbo lifts after the first 
a 20 or 30 feet up change to uh, change to a transparent glass that is only transparent on your side and uh, makes everything you're, you're able to look out at the lobby and you're seeing uh, you're seeing the lobby in kind of a hue of golden color, which is color of the uh, um, the color of the towers and uh, walls and such of the main room. So you're probably where the turbo lift is going up. You're behind one of that, one of those, but it allows you to see out. And it's a really kind of a nice view of the lobby and the uh, uh, also of the of the fountain that's in the lobby and then also how it connects to the room where most of the gambling happens. And, and then you're up to the room that's a mezzanine, which as it, it overlooks that kind of green ceiling and you see every conceivable card game, including the poker that you're looking for, Dr. O'Connor. And you are not the only one dressed like you are. Oh um, no! Not, 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 not the the exact same okay, outfit. Go, go. I think it's not the exact same outfit, but there are other people here that obviously spend their money. They make gambling look fancy, and um, so so there's like different Landos here, essentially. Um, you see one guy who is a bullion. Um, he's got a uh, kind of like a blue puffy shirt, and he's one of the people sitting at the... Uh, so so his skin is kind of that pale bullion blue, and he's got like this darker, like not quite midnight, maybe more navy blue. Just that for the color, um, and it looks—he he just looks really kind of cool. Um, there's a there's a Vulcan sitting at the table with a big smile, and it looks like he's doing most of the winning. Um, there is there is a Nausicaan wearing a respirator mask. Sorry, there is a Nausicaan wearing a respirator mask at the uh, at the table as well, and um, he's very very easily. You can see that um, he's probably a mercenary because he does have a, a a sleeve badge on, but he's just kind of let it hang on his sleeve without a whole lot of care. He does obviously work for the KDF. Um, they're also at the table. So you have five opponents. You have a Vulcan, a Nausicaan, a Bolian, um, one of Morn's race looks female, and a Ferengi. Ferengi would be played by Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. And theirs is the table that has an open seat. And as you were asking around, you, they, people were told that you were looking for the high stakes game. And so you were directed to this Ferengi whose name is Brax. And uh, he tells you that, yes, I have a spot at my table. What's your name? 
and offers for you to sit down with those five people to play a few hands of poker. Mr. O'Connor, let's sit down. Yeah. They they all uh, they all give you a name. The one that, uh, the one that definitely stands out though is the Nausicaan. His face mask isn't exactly a breed. They're they're not breather masks. Um, they're they're more of like actually a piece of armor for their lower face. He's never really been up close with a Nausicaan before. Um, so this is probably also maybe the first time that you're seeing uh, what one of those face masks looks like up close. And um, his is the only name uh, that stands out. His name his name is Mac. He's a Nausicaan with a very simple human sounding name like Mac, but he says it differently. There's a different, like, on the end with the Mac. Um, box the knife, right? Um, and so you begin to play poker with these, uh, with these individuals. The, the person who is of the same race as Morn, she doesn't say anything except, like, call pass, fold, um, raise. That's the only words you hear her say the whole time. Um, Eli, what is what would be the appropriate gambling role, Baz? Wait, would she even speak or would she just make the, the traditional hand gestures? She probably, she probably, you're right, Nord, there. She probably does like the card tap and anything else. She uses traditional hand gestures, doesn't say a word. You don't hear her speak. I love this. Um, what is the appropriate role for gambling, Baz? Well, it depends if you think it's more of a intellect reasoning planning or a, or a um, instinctual insight or... Perhaps even a, a more controlled, um, like uh, not to give off hints kind of thing. How, how, how right. do you reckon um, that she would play this? This is um, for for you, Eli. This is going to be a uh, reason because it it could be like depending on the game. It could end up being like Baz just said, depending on, but I'm going to say it's depending on the game. With these players, you quickly realize that one, you brought down, you know, how much in, in galactic credits to, you know, to gamble when you arrive down here. At that much that you brought down is the buy-in for this game. So you're like, Wow. <laughs> this is this is big stakes. So against these particular players, it becomes a reason command, which is very good for you. It's a fifteen. All right, should I roll that now? Yeah. Uh, do I get anything from being an empath in doing this? Um. Like nobody suspects it either. Trill aren't normally empaths. That's true. Like if, um, if I were, if I were a beta, what, like, what, what does the empath talent read? Um, How does it read? Give me a oh. second. I gotta bring that up. Sorry, hey. I was. My 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 thinking on how I want to play the empath talent is 
when you decide to use it, I will cue you in on the emotional state of one of the other players or choice. Well, remember that it states that empath um, doesn't really get turned off. It's always on. Right. I could make a joke there, but I'm bigger than that. Lol. <laughs> okay, I just looked up. You can sense the emotions of living beings nearby and communicate telepathically with other empaths and telepaths, as well as those whom you are extremely familiar cannot choose not to sense the other's emotions of those nearby, except for those who are resistant to telepathy. You said there's a Ferengi here. That's, like, the only challenge. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I will do is I will, uh, um, you'll make your gambling roll, and, um, I'll also make gambling rolls, I suppose. Um, and you can ask any questions you want about the emotional states of the other five players at the table besides yourself. Um... All right, so I'm doing my roll now. Your target number is 15 from what I'm reading. 15. Oh, damn. I have two successes in the first round. First player against you has two successes. Um, the second player against... That, that is the uh, Bolian, by the way. Second player against you is uh, probably one of the most frightening at the table. And you learn this, uh, you learn what they're like as you play against them. The first one is the Bolian, and he seems like your kind of card player. The second one is the Vulcan, and he is just out of control good at poker. You can tell that, and you can tell that by what I'm assigning to them as their numbers or their roles. Um, the... Uh, uh, Orion, which is the uh, uh, which is the one that is Morn's race. Um, yep, fortunately the Vulcan got shit cards. A little bit of luck played a part. Um, uh, Orion doesn't do very well in that first round at all. Um, however, she does still have enough credits left to still be at the table. Um, the Nausicaan. One success um, loses some of his money, and then the Ferengi. Successes. He also only gets shit cards. You do pretty well in the first little bit of time that you're playing poker with these people, and now, um, so I can tell you this: the, the Ferengi is up money. Nausicaan is down money. Lorian is way down. Vulcan is way up. And the Bolian about made an even game in the in in terms of where they're at. And you are up some. Are a little richer than you were when you sat down at the table. You want to read their emotions? You just got to tell me you want to read because here's the thing you're feeling all of them feeling everybody in the rooms and there's this general people are here enjoying themselves um 
all of the people at your table certainly have the feeling of enjoying themselves. Even the Lorian who just like lost a ton of money on that first couple of hands. So are there any like specifics you want to uh, ask about any of those five? The Vulcan. Vulcan. Um, the Vulcan is shrewd. Um, he is... Um, get the feeling that he's very calculating and has a very strong confidence that he can win this whole table. Um, he knows for a fact that he is a better poker player than everyone except for the Ferengi and possibly you because he doesn't know you. He knows all the the rest of them are people. You get you get the impression that they all like gamble professionally, and they know each other. And you're the guy who just sat down at the table. They all seem to be having a good time. That's the main thing. And the Vulcan is shrewd. And he knows that he can win this poker game. You're uh you're like a, a random element that he is not prepared for. That's what you get about the Vulcan. He came here willing to win this game, and you realize that there's something that he wants, and what he wants is specifically from the Ferengi. Ferengi has a guaranteed winner's ticket on a Corvette giveaway auction. Uh, not auction, what is it called? Baffle. Uh, 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 the Ferengi has the golden ticket he wants to win that like you realize he wants to win something from the Ferengi and then you realize the the thing that the Ferengi is willing uh, the biggest thing he has in his arsenal to gamble with well I know what I want to win now right we'll go ahead and make another gambling roll and see how well you do do you want to use a determination of any kind you might have uh um no, not really. <laughs> None of your values could activate a determination. Hmm. So, but the empath, the, the empath does help. So in this case, um, because you've begun to actively scan at least one of them, I'm going to give you one automatic success. One automatic success. I'm going to activate a threat and give you a complication range of 19 to 20. So 2d2, 2d20, and the complication, or the thing is 15, right? 15 with a complication, uh, uh, complication range of 20, uh, 19 and 20. Okay, so I do it like this then, I think, right? Oh my god, yeah. I screwed that up. Oh, 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 I oh think no, I you did it correct. Oh! Rolled 2d20 with a 15. Um, no, 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 no. No, you did do it wrong. Um, oh, you set the critical at 19. Oh, but I can read it. An 8 and a 3 is, well, still, three, it's still, it's still three successes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry about oh this setup. No big deal. Um, the one you, you said you gave me one automatic. All right, so that you, is have four, you have four successes. The, um, the, let me... Let me uh, Roll on down here. 
there is the Bolian. Bolian wins uh, near as much money as you do this time around. Um, you see that, right? Yeah, I saw <laughs> um, The uh, Vulcan, who, if he gets good cards this time, he, like, despite other people rolling well, might... Oh, man, you know, as someone said earlier, luck plays a part. Vulcan did... Uh, did lost a bunch of money this round um and after this round we're gonna like say certain ones of them are eliminated and you're down to what you're really playing for in the end um and the last one is Ferengi Ferengi is probably the best player at the table next to the Vulcan and oh he's out so um so at the end of the game, Eli, um, you have managed to stay in the game. Vulcan makes that mistake. Somebody in chat was talking about how being what being a professional gambler must be like. How um, you have no idea what the new guy at the table is all about, and he just like made some money on that hand. Was it luck, or does he know what he's doing? And you're and you're now having to wager your whole game on what you think is going on with the new guy. The Vulcan makes the wrong wager about you in one critical hand of the game, Eli, where you've got like a, you know, you've got like a brilliant hand that is going to, um, you know, it ends up putting him right out of the game. And all he does is uh, raises an eyebrow, looks over at you and says, fascinating. As a kind of like a little Vulcan like uh, bow type of thing, as he stands up from the table and um, uh, moves to um, uh, moves moves to being a, a game that in the end ends up being um, something amazing happens because the Bolian also rolled two criticals there um, and. Uh, the 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 Lurian gets put out of the game in the second like round of hands that happen. The Ferengi holds strong right until the end, and then the Bolian does a thing you never thought he could possibly do, and he bluffs the Ferengi to the point that the Ferengi is all out of money, and he's calling for like this final hand where he's got something he's putting up as collateral. And now you realize he's putting up this golden ticket. He explains to you guys what he's got and what he's putting on the table. It's a golden ticket that guarantees one of the 50 giveaway Isian Corvettes. You want to play that hand or walk away with your winnings, which are currently 2.5 times as much as you sat down with. I got to go for it. <laughs> okay. Make your roll. Can I use any momentum? <laughs> uh, ask the group. You guys are guys. Can I use momentum? Do it. Use Absolutely. all of it. Whoa, all of it. Burn it. I don't know burn about it. burn it. I say burn it. Go ahead. All right. Oh, okay. Use all of it. Use all six. Get three extra dice. Okay. Situation yep. with the king. Do we want to use Wait, it you all? Said three extra dice. Yeah. We this want is the stupidest place we yep. should use it. There, there okay, is. Okay, so that's five dice in total. You said. 
Yep. Five dice in total. Wait, can we do anything with determination? Uh, not with his uh, values. None of his values stack up for for being able to activate a determination. Uh, tied with that. Tie with the Ferengi, which means the two of you put the, uh, the the two of you put the Bolian out of the game, and the Ferengi is uh, wipes his brow a little bit, but he knows that his um, he knows that his um, that his beautiful new ship is still on the table. It's a showdown between the two of you. Oh no, the Ferengi only gets one success. Activate a threat. Uh, can I re-roll dice with threat, Baz? Oh, um, hold on. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna. Can I use one of my abilities, even though I'm not part of the team? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Marcus has an ability. I forget which one it is, but I can spend my point of determination to generate two momentum. Cool. <laughs> Do I make no. that three dice? <laughs> can make it three dice. Uh, you can spend two dice to re-roll a, um, a two, three to re-roll one. A re-roll one. Yeah, you get three dice, Eli. What do you What do you give us? Well, you messed that up. I'm just waiting until you get yours out of the way so I can... Oh, whew. <laughs> two successes. Wait, that wasn't a success. Uh, no, that wasn't a success. You didn't put in a. Oh, I didn't put in a target number. That was a nineteen. That was a nineteen. Um, the Ferengi just got crushed. Yeah, yeah. Ferengi got the crushed. Ferengi just, you you at right out. Uh, so so you have to play this one like in a weird. You get like one of those perfect hands right out of the gate. And he trades in three cards and then gets really confident with what he gets back. And you know that he's going to figure out that, you know, uh, that you've got that kind of perfect hand if you don't throw something away. So you end up choosing the card that does the least amount of damage by throwing it away. And you, you end up drawing the same card of another suit and you turn it instead of like a royal flush, it just becomes uh, a, a ro- instead of becoming a, a one a one uh, sweet uh, straight or your cards become just a straight, but your straight is way up over the number of uh, he, he had, he just didn't have the cards and he he sits back and he says, oh, Eli O'Connor, you're going to have to remember that name. He, uh, in addition to the money that the table automatically starts pushing over towards you in this kind of golden winner's ticket, in addition to that, he, uh, he tosses a... Uh, uh, he tosses a brochure-looking thing onto the pile, too, and he says, that's the places we gamble. And when we gamble, I hope to see you again. And at that moment, Lieutenant Tardigrade comes running into the mezzanine floor where all of the gambling is happening with a message from Executive Officer Kendra Alenis. So he, he patters up, just patters really quick, really quick. He needs to catch his breath because he's got short legs and not the best respiratory system for atmosphere. So 
he patters up, he patters up, he's like, he, he salutes and says, Dr. O'Connor, uh, uh, Lieutenant Kendra says I should immediately get you to make uh, Kara and uh, Larissa not be drunk anymore. You came to the right place. I had to go back up to the ship anyway, because to deposit all my sweet, sweet loot, and I just gesture to my stuff and take the ticket, put it inside my... Yeah. Inside of a pocket? And, inside, like, and, a, like, a shirt pocket, like, on the inside of my... Uh... We end our gambling game there, and then... I, I like the idea that there are no chips on the table. It's, at this point, it's just a massive pile of latinum. No, I, I imagine it like... Hold on a second. What do you imagine? Hold on a second, I'm finding the picture of it. Oh, right on. Cool. So it'll be a picture in chat. But we're we're going to be seeing Chaplain Waitley, who's pretty much kept to himself and enjoyed the beach. And I imagine with your like strong sense of the emotions of people around you, being around such a wash of um very positive and like happy emotions is um a, a nice experience for for Waitley to go through i i imagine unless you would say it differently that is exactly i i didn't want to come right out and say it but yeah that that scene where he gets the orders and he starts reading over the psychological reports and everything and he just like what this makes no sense how does this exist what reads it again okay i know what i'm doing no one i'm going to try to connect to um just relaxing <laughs> and well exactly Oh, you're just relaxing and your empathy is and your your powers of empathy and telepathy are allowing you to without any kind of prying at all experience what your relaxation feels like because most everyone on the planet is like that and then um you feel uh th th there is one moment i'm going to make you i'm going to make i'm going to have you make a roll um to uh to to see if you can identify what the feeling is um one of your focuses does apply and it's going to be reason medicine so you you have a 15 is your target number 4 is where you get a critical and is psychology counseling is psychology uh applies so two successes um in uh you build back one of your uh momentum uh one momentum again um during feeling all of that um i'm not going to say that it's universally just a bunch of people relaxing in some cases it's people um there are business people here that are very focused on like getting their business uh, a spot on this new like Isian Resort Festival thing that's going on. Um, there are people who aren't quite able to relax just yet. And with two successes, in addition to building the momentum, at one point during the late morning through the afternoon, somebody gets like really terrified somewhere on the island, like somewhere on the resort island, somebody gets incredibly terrified. And, you know, you're, it very quickly goes back to the mainly overall feeling of 
relaxation happening on the island. And um, all of you begin to get a message at in the evening uh, at a spot that's been conceived as a huge bonfire. Um, there is going to be a uh, there is going to be a concert of it's being called the bonfire concert, and it's kicking off the uh, it's kicking off what, what's being known as the mayhem tour, which is a whole bunch of. Uh, independent uh, music bands that are playing uh, various places throughout the quadrant and uh, starting uh, the starting the show uh, at like just as the sun is setting over the eastern side of the island will be Miranda and the Mayhems and uh, there's Nobody really knows who any of these bands are. It's just a bunch of uh, bands putting on a show. But everybody is invited, essentially. And um, it's getting close to that evening time for all of you in whatever area that you are somewhere. And um, Chaplin, you become keenly aware that close, close by you, um, in an area of beach that not a lot of people were spending time on all day, um, a woman just got, uh, a, a pair of women actually just got horrified by something. And um, a moment later, there's a yell. Some, uh, one of them is yelling um, and kind of hyperventilating a little. And the other one is yelling for, is there some kind of security? We need some kind of security here. Um, you are the only one that is incredibly close by. Um, uh, Without thinking about it, his Starfleet training kicks in. He he rushes to see what's going on. You rush over. There's a guy in board shorts, a rising dude in board shorts, who um, they just um, uh, the the one who was like half hyperventilating is looks at you as you come running over, and there are others running over too. And um, he says. We were just going to sit down and enjoy the evening because the sunset from here is so beautiful. And I saw, saw his fingers first and then, ah! and there's a body laying on the, one of the people that comes running over goes, Ovel? And Marcus, you wake up um, in the evening cracking your back and, um, don't really have a whole lot of uh, uh, memory of exactly how it all ended. You do remember the uh, uh, you, you do remember the Orion paying for a number of uh, 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 Parvel. Sorry, uh, uh, the, um, you do remember the Orion buying you a bunch of non. She didn't try to get you drunk once it was obvious you didn't want to get drunk, and once it was obvious you just wanted company. She stayed with you long enough to just be company and she was actually a very good conversationalist and when you started to get really tired she uh she bid you a good evening uh, a good afternoon said that napping in the sun is some of the best medicine the next thing you remember is uh 
the the barista essentially telling you that he was going to be taking a uh, a break to go see the uh concert in the evening and he had to go get changed and um uh but but you were welcome to you know finish your rest here um and when you, when you when you wake up it's just the beginning of evening marcus and um it takes you a minute to adjust to things and um then you realize that there's um there's there's blood all over your hands and he is like he's checking himself for injuries like around the wrist so you start you start checking yourself for injuries around the wrist and no there's blood on your hands and on the uh table in front of you uh there's a hairbrush that has um uh you obviously don't have any hair really you have a shaved head but there's a hairbrush that has some red hairs in it and it's pointed at the uh, it, it looks like somebody has taken the time to fashion this into like you know a prison shiv it's a thick hairbrush that has some red hairs in it and um it has blood all over it too marcus is sort of like he's looking at that like blood on his hands he's really sort of like is this real he's trying to get like more trying light to- and just sort of like get his head together like he is thinking with everything that's been going on is you this, uh, call he, for the call for the lights and the lights inside of the uh the lights inside of the cabana come on and she just the lights just show you that you know hey indeed there's blood on my hands and there's blood on the table and a weapon with blood on it he's going to tap his com badge and call for security Okay, for Reliant Security, or uh, are you going to security. call local security? All right, you uh, you call local security, and um, uh, we're going to uh, so so we have Waitley there. When they find this body on the beach, we have uh, uh, the captain now calling for local security, and we're going to do a bit of a uh, bit of a fast. Just a tiny bit of a fast forward to get to when security arrives. Um, who framed Marcus Graves? Great name for the episode. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, um, the uh, the security because it will take security a little bit of time to arrive there. And um, I guess my, my question would be, what else are people doing as um, you know, those of you who are unaware of what's going on are unaware of what's going on and may well be heading to like a, ni- a nice concert for the night of some kind. I think um, that Larissa and Kara are unaware of existence right now. Uh, yeah, I think though. Did Charlie right ever re- report back to me? Right, right before the uh, right before the evening, um, Eli is going to show up. Um, where the two of you are with um, tardigrade, and he has the I'm going to make you sober drug, <laughs> or the I'm going to make you sober hypo. There is screaming. Drink not I'm a hypo. like, no! And Larissa is like, if something's going on and we're needed. But otherwise, I mean, why don't you get drunk with us, Doc? 
And she's like, Tardy, why don't you get drunk too? And basically until Larissa gets um, administered the, uh, the I'm getting less, you know, like um, automatically, what do we want to call that? Like the, the sober up drug? It's a wake, wake up, up drug. There we go. I it, like it. It's literally not a hypo. I just mixed a drink. I did the back to the future thing. Awesome. Awesome. I like it. Um, Larissa literally tries to get you to get drunk with her before you sober her up. And she's like, wow. And she looks at you, Kara. Hasra has since um, moved on to uh, another bar. And he might even those be at the concert. Hasra is a, a you know, a Hasra. Um, well, but he's no longer where the two of you are, and um, now the if there's an ice sober, chest nearby, as soon as she drinks the concoction, Kara leaps up, screams, and sticks her head in the ice chest and starts chomping ice. Nice. Um, will the two of you, uh, uh, Lennis and uh, Quentin, Quentin, um, you get no time to read all day. Um, uh, Alanis, uh, Tardigrade would eventually report back in that the doctor made them sober. And, um, Tardigrade would, um, I'm thinking Marcus, uh, uh, Duncan decide this, after searching for the cat, that's what I was going to say is that he knows he had the order of searching for the captain. Would he have continued to do that? Yeah, so he's not going to let that one go of, like, all the orders. He's going to keep doing that because he's got to find the captain, A, because he's captain, but also, B, he's Marcus. So he's he's going to, you know, just uh, basically take care of the Larissa Carr situation to the point where he knows Eli's there. They can sort of sort that out. He's going to, you know, quickly report back. Eli is tending to Larissa and Kara and not even almost wait for a reply there. He's just going to keep going and just sort of like, like search the promenade, sort of tapping on his comm badge, like continuously asking for Marcus. Marcus. Okay. So this is even, um, this is even better. Um, Also, um, one little thing to note there too, that while he's doing this, there's sad music playing. And he's just sort of like going from like stall to stall, just like looking for Marcus. He's got to go find Marcus. This is even better. Uh, this is this is actually heartbreaking because Ma- Marcus isn't quite awake yet. Like I was thinking, you know, Marcus wakes up and finds this, but no, Lieutenant Tardigrade finds Marcus in this cafe, sleep on a couch. He's not nothing. On, you know, he's not drugged or anything. He hasn't been, you know, he's not hurt, it doesn't look like. But his hands are covered in blood, and there's a bloody um, improv dagger on the table in front of him. And so as Marcus wakes up, he's being discovered by Lieutenant Tardigrade. That's, that's, that's heartbreaking, actually. Yeah. And for Lieutenant Tardigrade, like, he's walking in there, but he sort of, like, he notices, like, the knife and then Marcus. But his his thought, then, is going to be, Marcus is injured. I've got to check on him. So he's going to be, like, he'll, he'll be, like, inspecting, like, he'll be sort of crawling over Marcus, like, trying to, like, find where where's the blood coming from. And then he's also going to be calling Eli at the same time, just really... Like uh, Marcus, he's just saying Marcus is hurt. Marcus is hurt. But Marcus at this time 
is realizing he's not hurt and he's just sort of waking up in the situation of like, wait, I'm here, there's blood on me, there's a knife on the table. Oh, crap. And he's going to make the call to security at that point. While and Lieutenant is still making the call to Eli. Nice. That would be... Um, uh, that would so be... Because you would have already gotten Eli when he uh, found... Uh, oh, he's when he finds Marcus in that situation, he would he would call Eli immediately. Well, he would sort of call him after he's like inspecting the blood and okay. like not finding what's going on. He's going to be so flustered. Like Marcus is hurt, but he can't find the injury, but he's got to be hurt. He's not thinking about any other possibility. Okay. So um, that's uh, that, like when he's like crawling over Marcus, that's when he's going to be calling Eli, but at the same time, Marcus is going to be calling security. Security. Um, so, um, Waitley, uh, you are there, uh, and this is a few minutes, but this is like very few minutes before what, when, when Graves is waking up. You're there as rising in security arrives. Um, one of those, uh, call her uh, the Vanessa Williams character from Star Trek Next Generation Season 1. Um, the Vanessa Williams character on Ryza. Uh, it, just, just like her, looks like, you know, dressed like she was. It's, it's, um, comes, she basically guides the two women away, uh, and offers them all kinds of, like, you know, complimentary drinks and where they can stay, you know, like, basically, it, that shouldn't have happened. And a, uh, uh, a woman basically looks like Rihanna, dressed in the same sort of clothing, who's rising and um, is offering to escort you back to the beach, asking if you need a room for the evening, uh, anything like that. Uh, are, and she seems to have already, know, she, she goes, if there's anything that we can do for you, Chaplain. Um, she already knows who you are. Like she, she obviously has a, like she has a pad and it was like, okay, you must make this guest feel comfortable after finding a dead body. Um, so she, she's like, is there anything that we can And this is, this is before anybody else has shown up. This is basically mm -hmm. moments after Waitley came over. He already uh, is showing up to deal with the body and like, Two other, like, Isian employees are showing up to be like, uh, how do we smooth this over? You found a dead body. <laughs> so as soon as he came across the scene and realized what was going on, he was frantically slapping his communicator. Commander Graves, Commander Graves, Commander Graves, Commander Graves, this is Waitley for Graves. Waitley, Graves, please come in. Okay, so just as the... Uh, security is arriving graves and um tell beginning to tell you uh I'll, I'll actually we'll we'll make that a whole scene um uh all of the rest of you are whether you're at um Miranda Mayhem show or not um at word I'm trying to figure out like where people because tenant tardigrade calls the doctor when he's Still with Kara and Larissa. Um, I'm just going to assume that Kara and Larissa follow the doctor wherever he goes. No, because I had contacted you and asked you to come to my location. Come to where she is. 
which is put which puts the security team so larissa actually would be like i could um i could head out there and help you investigate the cave commander um there's two of us actually i'll go check the cave you go see what's up with the doctor he could use somebody watching his back and i think you're a little better than me at that of course either way Lara starts walking to the cave um uh rick where are you gonna what are you gonna be doing in the early evening your captain gets arrested um well uh after after uh spending a bit of time with the kid talking about his engineering encouraging him um seeing if he can you know leave contact with parents or whatever um to um you know for future contact to you know help um if with whatever uh if he were to go into starfleet which he's sort of encouraging um awesome he would be he would have dropped his uh you know signed up for the ship and sort of just sort of just wandering around just soaking in the atmosphere um and i guess he'll he'll um uh, head to the bonfire party. Yeah, eventually head to the bonfire party. Uh, since he sees a lot of people going there, um, he'll uh, join in there. All right. Um, sorry, I, I was on the wrong tab for a second there. Um, so, uh, Ara would the the last thing that I see in the afternoon is, of course. Uh, then Kara uh, helping out at the cave in some way. What would the three of you that that are out there like to look for? Um, I'll, I'll say this: everything that I've already told you, with the success you had earlier, um, it, uh, aside from uh, spending your momentum point to have like an additional question, uh, you pretty much know everything that the cave can tell you. But we also rolled, like, a perfect success for finding Pavel. So I'm a little confused as to how that plays in. Oh, that's, that's why you got all the information that you did. This cave has seen a lot of people, and recently, because they left footprints, um, that this cave has seen um, crates recently, and that some, someone used a transporter in this cave recently um that is there there are other things you could discover you guys had three successes wasn't it um when searching the cave um those are like the biggest things you can find out is that the cave has been used recently um and quite obviously when you're looking for what pavel's hiding spot would be um this cave is where pavel would have come to hit to hide um given the clue that he gave you your ability to fly over the whole island and see that this is the area that like directly matched what he said um if you'd like to you could also double check with uh any of the uh uh there's one person out on a pier somewhere uh uh, it's, it's out near the, the floater rental, actually. There's a person that has a stand set up um, that is essentially 
it's probably you didn't even realize there was a person at the stand. It's where you grabbed your map. There's a person there with like festival information. Um, so you could find out, um, you know, we couldn't find Pavel. What did we miss? And um, that person could be like, no, that's totally the cave Pavel hides in. And then, you know, you could confirm okay. that you guys found the right cave. And inside of it, it looked like a lot of people in crates and transporters have been used. I mean, it, it by itself, it doesn't uh, it doesn't lead to being uh, uh, suspicious on its own. My, I mean, it could next, be suspicious. My next move would be to contact somebody in charge and find out what the cave is besides Pavel hiding. Okay. Um, Uh, Stan Pavel basically does his own thing. Um, he's authorized to give out. Um, Pavel basically is a kid who grew up on the on the island, um, who loved hide and seek. Um, it was just his favorite game ever. And when they were deciding to open this resort, Pavel um, put in an application to be an entertainer here. And he he offered basically the unique experience of a hide-and-seek game. And if you could find him at all of the places that he could discover to hide on the island that he could give clues to, um, he would be authorized to give out, like, vacation paraphernalia and merchandise and stuff to people. Um, oh, I'm that, sad. Oh, I regret saying we should... That's who he. Uh, that's who he was. That he's one of many entertainers on the island. Like there's a guy who runs. There's essentially a scavenger hunt looking for Horgon statues. Um, there. Uh, he he has to add at the end of telling you about the guy who does the Horgon hunt that he assures you that there are no official sex games associated with the Horgon hunt on Ryza. Um, it's like a, he says it like it's a disclaimer. Um, okay. That he has to say after the Horgon hunt. Um, and I, re yeah, he, I redirect the conversation back and ask again about the cave. About Pavel? Um, no, about the cave. About the caves? Specifically Pavel about the cave. Uh, the cave is one of Pavel's hiding spots. Um, the question they, was, what if the cave is used for anything besides Pavel hiding? Generally, no other That's entertainers. No other entertainers, but um, a Ferengi uh, is uh, who's been talking about a scavenger hunt. Um, showed some interest in potentially using it. He was putting in a bid for some of the island space in the uh, on the north side of the island. He's wanting to move in uh, potentially next year, but so far, yeah, Pavel's the only one who does things in that cave. Hmm. It's a cave, after all. That's what you can find tell, out about Pavel. Can I tell anything about who's been in the cave, species-wise? Ooh, I like that. And when Kara, when Kara arrives, 
or what materials might have been in the crates. When Kara arrives, the two of you can combine expertise. Um, you may make the roll, Quentin, and Kara, you may, ma you may roll one die to assist with an extra die because one of your focuses applies. So you both get to roll two dice. At least I think that's how it works. And target numbers and stuff? Oh, sorry. Uh, it should be whatever sciencing is. Um, let me look at what sciencing is for the both of you. In this case, it is uh, reason science is a 15 for Kara. One of her focuses applies, so four is your uh, critical range. And Quentin, it's also a reason science. So 15 and... I'm going to let hmm, anthropology apply because there's something familiar about the situation. So it's 15 for both of you with a critical range of uh, four. So three successes for Quentin, and how many does Kara add? Two more. Whoa. Um, that builds. And we got almost the same rolls. Uh-huh. I had given you a, a difficulty of, uh, in my mind, this was a difficulty of two to identify, uh, to identify things. And the reason that I made it a two instead of a three was because Kara was in Kara was involved, and Kara's specialty is xenobiology. Um, you are able with uh, the readings that you have and being able to compare the image of footprints and stuff that you get um, to tell at least the species of people that have been in this cave. There have been a number of Rhysians uh, in here, uh, and there have also been a number of um, Ryans in here. And uh, investigating what was in the crates uh, is where the familiarity comes in as, Kara, you're the first one to actually, uh, like, Quentin is certainly detecting it, but because it's something that you have a lot of familiarity with, um, you recognize it just a, a few moments before he does. There were epos in those crates. There were epos in this cave. Were Orions in this cave, and there have been Rhysian. Carl wants to pass out face down in the sand, but she doesn't. And when you uh, but th this would this would be kind of like perfect timing. Um, after they had a picnic and going into the evening, knowing there's going to be a concert, as you guys would be able to be arriving back toward the resort, could be, um. Uh, be right about the time everybody is discovering these things because when the security arrives that you called Marcus um, at about the same time Eli and uh, Larissa are going to be arriving um, Rick you're on your way to a concert um, Paplin uh, they're, they're really wanting to like you know uh, 
whatever they can to like, you know, make your stay a good one. Uh, apologizing again for the dead body. Um, and, uh, when, uh, when they say that, he says, the only thing you could possibly do to make my stay more pleasant is to allow me and my crew to assist in this investigation. Where I so when you're, uh, you're talking to this security officer you'll get the word back from the scene as the security arrives marcus where you and um tardigrade and now eli and larissa are some rising security they don't they're they're dressed in that draped white shirt that i remember seeing in any rise episodes but um under you you can tell that under underneath like uh, the shirt where it tucks into the pants, they they have like a small box. It's not a weapon by any stretch of. Uh... Okay, I'll, I'll hang on. Um, uh, so we'll take a quick hang on moment. Um, yeah, it's like having. That's a good way to put it. Um, cast. It's it's like having a little mother box on your belt. Um, uh, it's just a little black box with a couple of like colored lights on it. Um, that's, uh, that's what the, uh, uh, that's what, uh, the Rysians walking, you know, coming to the cafe along with your crew look like. Yeah, I'm not seeing anybody talking unless they're talking. If other people are getting feedback from me, it might be a Discord thing, because there's no way it should, like, Physically, there's no way that my mic is getting onto the server. I'm, hearing, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing everybody super well tonight. Yeah, so the issue was like feedback coming from me, but I was not hitting push to talk, and it, I wasn't like, I didn't have anything like showing up on my end. So I'm thinking that might be, I think it's a Discord thing right there. I was about okay. to say, to give you some outside perspective, your light had been on until you just talked a second ago, and then now it's gone back to normal. So it's probably just a Discord thing. I was the same thing. Oh. Well, and remember, the whole reason I do push to talk is because for some reason, my mic or something about my headset particularly will pick up other people and transmit it through my mic. So I, I went to push to talk, so that's not an issue anymore. Yeah, I've been doing push to talk like since we started. So I think it was just a Discord thing. So we're good now. Yeah, but okay. just the light anyway. Hey, technical problems fixed. What we have is a scene with uh, the three of you who just discovered um, the, you know, who was out in the cave, um, making you want to facepalm, are going to have to get back to the resort probably before, like, evening really sets in. Um, and so that would be the three of you arriving back at the resort. Now we're like three of the crew. We got to have a floaters scene. Um, you flew across this like huge resort island. Um, and so even though there's like the uh, specter of, uh, of blood and murder on the horizon, it's still a really pretty um episode um absolutely absolutely beautiful i um, actually um cara <laughs> does walk back she actually recoils from the idea of using one of the floors um and uh baz baz um 
basically this is in everyone is coming back to the you know the area of the main resort some some may have been headed off toward uh uh rick tier was headed off toward the concert and um uh you're there for the very first like pieces of the concert and it's like something you've never heard um uh, Humans have a wide variety of things that they listen to um, as music. And as you're walking up with like tons of other vacationers, um, you see a purple woman on stage along with, a ro with, with an, uh, an obvious robot um, and uh, looks like a liberated Borg. And um, the purple woman is, uh, her hair is, really long and as she has a long ponytail uh she is playing a guitar and like i say it's like something you've never heard um i i really doubt that um that that in in most circumstances you would have heard what humans refer to as classical music um it's this um you, you've also seen it listed under a subgenre of rock and roll um, and uh, that is what is happening uh, on stage, along with kind of this like reggae vibe that is being being that the robot is um, the robot is playing the drums in such a way that it's like a reggae vibe happening. And you can see that she also has it's a female robot, by the way, um, and a female liberated Borg. But the drums being played, you can see there are also pieces on her shoulders that are speakers. So in addition to the sounds that the drums are making, there's also percussion noises coming from the speakers on her shoulders. And so it's a combination of rock and roll and reggae happening on this beach that you're walking up to. And um, that's, uh, <laughs> no, it's not like a purple woman group. Um, uh, but Baz, um, I really love that Rick Tier is the first one to see Miranda and the Mayhems on stage at Riza. Um, it, it makes it makes a certain degree of sense. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, uh, the the last scene, because I know that Baz wanted to call it a night a little bit early if we could, because he's got relatives that he would like to that he would like to interact with. Um, last scene is the security arriving and saying, Marcus, you know, you're, we, we received a call, Eli uh, and Larissa are arriving, and um, security says, uh, what happened? Right, that's the first person that says something as we come up on the scene uh, of, uh, of Marcus Graves, Lieutenant Tardigrave, Lieutenant Tardigrade, a whole lot of blood and uh, security, rising in security, uh, looking at everybody who's arriving. And the, uh, the woman, uh, the, wom the woman who is like escorting you, Chaplain Waitley, I love those last lines of letting my crew and I help because we're bored. Um, and security looking at you, Graves, and saying, we received your signal. What exactly happened here? I have no idea. 
Oh, hold on just a minute. Um, uh, his his box, there's a green light on it that pings. And he takes it off and he, he puts it up next to next to his head. And um, you hear a sound that is like a very, very light. Like he, that's some kind of community. He shakes his head once. His uh, uh, looks like blood rushes through the Rhysian symbol that makes up part of the flesh of his forehead. Um, because it looks like he's both like shocked and angry at the same time. And he says, making no formal accusations about what happened here, but we have a stabbing victim on one of our beaches. You understand that we're going to have to place you under arrest. Graves nods at that point, and then... then then it's to be continued, whatever, like, whatever you say, end it with to be continued. And on top of that, it's, he, he just sort of nods at that point, but the to be continued is over Lieutenant Tardigrade's very concerned face. Just cutting to him for the reaction shot. 